we're in a very weird state right now i guess social media is better than tv i hate to say that better than the bbc right now yeah i think if, if i didn't have that i'd have a very blinkered view of what was going on really it's only because of that that you can kind of get a good view of what's going on in the country you could try to not be involved in politics but i had to get a visa for my wife to come to the uk and that's first of all that that puts you right in there with politics because the immigration is this big topic in the uk right now you've made a mess of me Thank you so much, James, for joining us on the Geopets podcast. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Let's start with your geographic self. Where are you now? I'm in England right now in uh, Cambridge. I'm not from Cambridge. I've spent my entire adult life abroad, say for a few years. I first lived in the Czech Republic for, what was it, three years? It was a few trips. And China, mostly. I was in China for a decade. Zhuhai, my first year. And then I was in Beijing for a long time. And Guangzhou for the last few years. Now I've moved back to my home country. Tell the listeners about your podcast. There's a mixtape for every year of recorded sound, starting with the first year, which is kind of 1853, and going through to now. So I'm using music. It's going to be, most years it's, it's let's say, 80% music, but also uh, bits of speech. So I use bits of speech from news, from films, from uh, TV, from anywhere really. Any sound recorded in that year can go into the mix. Working my way forward, I got to uh, 1920 so far, and I'm also making uh, contemporary ones at the end of every year. Currently working on 2018, which should be out in January. What inspired you to start this? I don't know. I've just always been kind of immersed in music. I don't make music as a musician or anything, but I've always been playing records and things. And I found mixtapes when I was like seven or eight years old, I was making. So I think it's kind of been something I've done all the time. And I had, um, I, I bought a computer when I was in Prague from a friend who was leaving and it had a, a program called Cool Edit on there. And I started kind of making mixes in this program Cool Edit which turned into um, Adobe Audition later. I got to uh, Beijing, so this is like 2007. I, I started hearing some podcasts, and the podcast I was hearing is a music podcast where they played music. So I, I thought, okay, I can do that as well. And I started making, it was a previous podcast, it was called Last Night a DJ Killed My Dog. So they'd be on themes. So it, instead of by years, they'd be theme-based. And uh, those are still all up on the internet. Say, the same thing, but based around a theme. So the first one was like uh, numbers and counting, like songs with numbers and counting in them. Second one was breakfast. It was like going through waking up and breakfast time. The thing in China is I was isolated from music. Like when I was in England and when I was in the Czech Republic, like music was what I did, going to see bands and knowing bands and there being like a music scene, especially when after I got married in China, there's there's nothing I could do or go to. <laughs> so I had to kind of make something by myself. You know, there's always the internet. There's always people out there who want to hear stuff, even if you don't know anyone in your city. That's a, a way of connecting to people over music. You've got your internetness, your onlineness in the UK before you left. You know, my mother, well, she, she's retired now, but she's a, a computer science lecturer in a university. So in the 90s, I would go into the university and use the internet. And it was painfully slow, like 95 or something. I was making a fanzine for my favorite band at that time. And I was kind of trying to look at web pages to get the equivalent of that. So I just yeah searched my favorite bands and uh, stuff would come up. You'd sit there for 10 minutes watching the one page load 
<laughs> I remember those days. Just for a reference point, when did you leave the UK to go live overseas? What year was that? It was kind of 2001, let's say, although I came back and then I, I left for good in 2002. When did you return to the UK? How recent was that? 2016 is when we moved back to the UK. So we're basically talking about 2002 to 2016, it sounds like. Yeah, so like 14 years. When I was in Prague, I, I was just writing this blog all the time. And all my friends were kind of as well, but I was taking it more seriously. I was writing something every day. And there was a magazine called the Prague Compass. And they, they, were, they were just setting up. They just put up their first issue. And they said, we want an expat blogger to be uh, our diary writer for the magazine. I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. I didn't really have much work then. And I didn't really have, I was like, technically homeless for about a month when I joined that. <laughs> I say technically, I wasn't like sleeping in the streets or anything, but um, I didn't really have like a, a place to stay at that point. And I met the editor and he, uh, well, the owner really, he, uh, I think he felt sorry for me and just gave me a job doing that for his magazine. Yeah, so I, I was running half of their website after a month or so because he didn't really know what to do with it. So it was called Prague Net. And, uh, wow, was it mostly travel stuff? He he was a businessy guy, and uh, he wanted. Uh, he, it was it's awful to think about, but our uh, main advertiser was basically a brothel <laughs> in the magazine, and I would be writing these like funny reviews of things, and he's like, "No, that's not suitable. That's not going to go in there. That's not good." I write about like my friends bars and and uh strange music he's like no we're a, we're a lifestyle magazine i don't want that so it didn't really work out in the end <laughs> when you were doing your live your, your live journaling when you first got to prague what were you writing about on the blogs just everything happens to me day to day it was yeah. it was such a big kind of adventure it's kind of amazing time in my life i just wanted to get it down because i'd always written like diaries it was a bit self-indulgent to be fair it, it, it wasn't really i wouldn't talk about anything apart from just what I was doing myself, basically. I, I never had any like journalism training, but I had to write articles about stuff. So I was kind of interviewing people like in the in the bar that, that I knew about a, a topic for the next month, things like that. So I had to kind of shift my ideas a bit. Yeah, 2002 is pretty early. Were you on a lot of websites or any forums or anything like that when you were first in, in the Czech Republic? Or, or actually any time during those three years in the Czech Republic? Uh, I don't know if it's still going. Expats.cz. CZ. That's, that was the big site. And I, I, I met the guy who was running it. And um, there was this, there was a, a, a newspaper called the Prague Pill, which was uh, for expats at that time. There was artist people it was a really kind of artistic community there but that didn't work in business terms so it was kind of uh that that newspaper folded kind of straight away all the mm -hmm. new stuff coming in was it was for the uh, upmarket expat crowd so especially that expats.cz website he was trying to take the other side of it and i've kind of found that throughout everywhere i've been basically that there's um there's the uh, arty community making stuff and they are kind of, I don't want to say doomed to failure, but it's its kind of sad. Those things always seem to fold. And it's the, the newspaper that's catering to the, the, the business people who've come over who've got like huge amounts of money to spend. That's, that's who the advertisers want to get to. All the expat portals I've seen kind of seem to go in that direction sooner or later. Yeah. Well, because you have to, they have to keep it going somehow. That must be why some folks are starting to do like Patreons and memberships and things like that in lieu of the that advertising. I don't know if that's working any better. 
But you have a Patreon, don't you? I do, and I can actually get some money for stuff I've created, which is the first time since since Prague, <laughs> actually. That's a long time. I haven't been paid for writing or making anything. So when you went back to the UK in 2016, what was the most surprising difference that you found when you were doing stuff online? You know, the whole reverse culture shock thing. Um, it does does exist and it is a, is a it is a big thing and i'm trying to separate the the, on, the online part of that i stayed in touch on on like uh, wechat for quite a while and i didn't really get up to date with like apps and things here i, I sent out messages saying how does it work in in england what, what should i be on and people were like oh instagram these days so i i could try to do it from time to time but i just yeah it's a hassle you can't make links on there i just want to link everything to my website i don't want to be creating stuff for somebody else's website <laughs> that feels kind of annoying I, I guess i've got into twitter although i hate it as well I, I've, I've created an account for my centuries of sound thing and i i like to go on there i just follow sound engineers and podcasters and it's lovely and my my normal Twitter is just there's a, there's a few arguments that have torn apart everyone I knew on there, and it's just no people, like political arguments. Or yeah. Something? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have some friends who are transgender, and some other friends who are uh, kind of uh, old school feminists. Who uh, I guess you call them turfs now. I was like, I'm not going to take a side. I'm just going to mute it. And I, of course, I had to take a side. <laughs> okay, I'm very out of touch. What in the world is a TERF? Uh, Trans-exclusionary radical feminist. What the heck is that? Radical feminists who who are against transgender people. What? Um, yeah, this is this is oh. the, this is the scandal of. Uh, uh, oh. of uh, Twitter in the last couple of years in the UK. Yeah, I know. That was the thing to adapt to was there's, there's a lot of politics on every social media in the UK. And like even people you think are going to be friends are not friends with each other. Yeah, I've heard about this a lot on Facebook where like family, friends, like people at a moment's notice, if something like this comes up, they're just like gone. There's been like a lot of political things like this. I Fortunately, my family who are online all agree with me about most things politically so it hasn't had to be any kind of you know the online equivalent of the awkward christmas or thanksgiving kind of thing though i did have some from when i was traveling in uh various places i, I went around southeast asia one time you know i, I do the thing I, I go to one city and i meet people in a hostel and then i travel with them to the next city so i have lots of friends from all over the world on facebook and stuff from that and especially it was 2016 you know so <laughs> there was uh, there was brexit and then there was the us election in 2016 and some of the americans i'd made friends with traveling around southeast asia i i kind of had to unfriend on facebook because i couldn't read that stuff that was the big difference that internet was kind of innocent and apolitical in china and it's been like this huge just everything is politics since I, I got there. There's, there's a forum that I should have been using for ages because it's people who are very interested in music and music journalists and writers, not not in a kind of uh, in-depth music writers, things like that. And I've been spending a lot of time on there. And they, they talk about politics all the time as well. <laughs> so I'm lucky that I'm on there. People kind of, I can discuss it with, I don't need to watch what I'm saying on there because people basically agree with me about things my, my other twitter account i go between giving up on it because it's all arguments there and then just going and joining in with the arguments especially 
just before an election right now it's uh it's it's so dominating everything is about that everything on facebook everything on twitter are you watching all of this happen or are you doing a social media blackout until thursday i'm watching it happen i don't know we're, we're in a very weird state right now of um i guess social media is better than tv and better than like uh, i have to, i hate to say that better than the bbc right now yeah i, I think if, if i didn't have that i'd have a very blinkered view of what was going on really I think it's only it's only because of that that you can kind of get a good view of what's going on in the country. You, you, you could try to not be involved in politics, but I had to get a visa for my wife to come to the UK. And that's, first of all, that, that puts you right in there with politics because uh, immigration is this like big topic in the UK right now. And we have, uh, I mean, people, people kind of, uh, you know, the, the US immigration policy is kind of famous and about... Um, how it works but we don't have birthright citizenship in the uk we don't have if if you're married to a british person you can't get a you can't get a visa even if you're married for five years before you can get a visa even <laughs> it's it's much more restrictive than than most places in the world people don't realize quite how bad it is yeah uh, uh, people get like deported all the time just there's a woman who was a uh, Cambridge University and she went to do a project in uh, studying something in india and they said you've been out of the uk too long and uh, they refused to let her come back. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of things like that. Hello, everyone. I'm Eva Yu. I was a tech journalist in Israel, Silicon Valley, South Korea, and China for five years. And last year, I left my job and I started a cycling journey from Shanghai to London, interviewing the tech entrepreneurs on the ancient Silk Road. And I was on the uh, episode 71 at Virtual Expats. And it says, uh, South Korean journalist who has lived in Ecuador, US, UK, and China. And so currently I'm writing a book about the cycling trip and I plan to donate the proceeds from the book to Turkey. So if you want to get in touch with me, my email is evayour at gmail.com. So it's E-V-A-Y-O-O-A-R-E at gmail.com. And my YouTube channel is Seek Road, which is S-E-E-K-R-O-A-D. And my website is seekroad.co. So it's not .com, it's C-O. Thank you. Hi there, I'm Brendan Davis coming to you from Beijing, and I'm the co-host with Ying Lee of the podcast How China Works. Since you like Steph's show, we thought you might like our show too, so I want to tell you about it really fast. Our first season was designed as a crash course in China for foreigners and to help a young Chinese audience who's going global. Those shows are heavily researched to give insights into the most critical situations you'll need to understand, regardless of whether you're coming or going from China. This year, we switched gears to an interview format. We talked to leading China players from around the world, people who are actively engaged in shaping, changing, or navigating this fast-changing dynamic. We've had some truly amazing guests join us, so we would be honored if you would join us to check us out online or at one of our live events we're doing around Beijing now. You can find How China Works in all podcatchers or visit us online at HowChinaWorksPodcast.com to learn more. Thanks a lot. Now back to the show. I wasn't in China to 2010, so I'm not sure what the internet was like here then. What was what was internet access like? Much better. Stuff wasn't blocked. The firewall was it, non, it wasn't non-existent, but it was there was there was one time in uh, two thousand end of two thousand six when I first 
when I was first there, where there was a, an earthquake, an undersea earthquake, and it cut off the cable so between um, like Taiwan and the USA, and literally you couldn't access like non-Chinese sites for for a while, <laughs> for like a few weeks, if you can imagine that. But yeah, that was that was the one time. But like Facebook, you could go on Facebook, you could go on Google, you could go on. I had a student in Beijing who was working at MySpace headquarters in Beijing, and he was、uh, one of the guys organizing、uh, MySpace in China, which was going fine. I, I don't know if they even bothered blocking MySpace. They've tried reboots a few times, but when when there was the the MySpace era and that that was that was all fully available. That was all free when they started to block things. I think、um, I forget what it was.、Uh, there was a, there was a website called Anonymous. It is kind of like you could just redirect, so it just changes the URL, and you could just use any website. It was very easy, <laughs> so it, it was it was fine using the internet. It was just slow. You couldn't stream video from from the from UK or America. No way. But、um, it was it was fine as far as things you were actually using. When did it start becoming difficult? Two thousand nine ish, because it we got here and it wasn't blocked. And during the year we were here, then it got blocked. So it must have been between two thousand nine two thousand ten. I think you could use Google until like two thousand fourteen, something like that. It it was a very slow block, and we were still using a free VPN at that point, and it gave us access to everything. So I mean, it wasn't very it wasn't very efficient block yet. I remember it that the VPNs had lots more trouble. Like this, 2014, I think, was a time when suddenly you couldn't use free VPNs; they didn't work at all. And the the paid ones, you had to keep getting like updates. You'd be offline for a week or something. I remember those. That that was when I left. It was in that kind of state. I think for big companies, it's still okay, though, isn't it? They've got their、uh, private connections. Just kind of they do,、uh, yeah. Tunnels, yeah. But it's, it's、okay、yeah, for, <laughs> for now, because、uh, I, I work for I work for EF and everything's coming from Boston. You, you log onto this Boston server, and it's, it's bizarre. It's yeah, everything's kind of running from from there. Okay, so when you moved to China, there was free access. What were you doing online? Was it still a lot of reading the news, or I had a a weird food blog. It was called Food Tube, and it, it sounds like it's YouTube, but it's. Pre YouTube actually, because it's two thousand six. I did. It wasn't videos. It was just I. I'd、uh, go around Zhuhai finding weirdest food, take photos of it, and eat it and review it. I, I could find lots of really weird food. This was all still on Live Journal, so it, it, it got some attention at that point. I don't know if I want to publicise that too much because I feel a bit weird about some things I ate now. Is it still online? It's still online. Oh no! Yeah, you can find that. I'm sure. I don't. Know, I don't know if Live Journal is、uh, what's happened to it recently. It's it's, it's been bought by a Russian company, and、um, yeah, that was ages ago as well. But it's probably still there. Food Tube, Live Journal. I, I ate dog on there one time, and that was very controversial. And I, I I found out some things about it afterwards, and I feel like I shouldn't have done that now. So、um, that was kind of the end of doing that. There's a photo I think I've removed of the rat's foot. <laughs>、um, I didn't want to be existing anymore.、Um, oh, oh, that doesn't seem safe.、Mm, yeah. So, did you eat the rat? I didn't eat the foot. It was in、uh, Guilin. They had a bamboo rat, which I think is technically not a rat, but it's a rodent. That's for sure. It was disgusting. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's it's mostly the disease part of the rats and stuff that's dangerous. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I definitely I don't, don't do that now. But it's easy to when you come from the west and how sanitized we look at food, and then you come to the east where they eat. 
a lot of different kinds of things and different parts of the animals that we don't, it's easy to go, that's really weird to everything. I found some food that would freak out Chinese people that I'd eat at home. If you tell people about live oysters, then they they can't believe you foreigners eat live oysters. But I, yeah, that it's like I would never eat anything that's alive. It's like, yeah, that's actually I I, I did, and I, it's not that weird for me. I don't know. I think actually most English people don't don't like live oysters. That was it. That was in Zhuhai, and I remember the internet cafes in Zhuhai because I had to use internet cafes there as well. I, I don't know if you've used internet cafes in China, but those are bizarre things. I frequented them a lot when I lived in Taiwan, but in mainland China, the entire time I've been here, I've had a computer, so I haven't gone to any. I didn't have internet at home was the, the issue. I, I had a computer, but I had to go to this internet cafe was be about, let's say, 100 Chinese people playing like, like kids, basically playing like World of Warcraft or Counter-Strike. And then there's me and I have to go and get the people to come and install Skype and um, the Internet Explorer was not yes, used by anybody. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> 50 games on the desktop, but like no Internet Explorer. That's exactly my experience. I had to use text editor because they didn't have Word installed. And I had to write a letter for some reason for some paperwork issue. And I'm like, I need so I need words, not a game. I need words here. Well, I was, I was trying to write my blog. Actually, it was in England, so it kind of doesn't count. But I was working in a, in a bank call center. And I wanted to, to, between calls, I wanted to just write stuff because I, I had nothing else to do. So the only way to write was to go onto the BBC website and there was an email the article option. And you have to go to email the article. And then there's a comment. You have a 500 character comment. And that, I'd write the comment there, <laughs> email myself. It's the only way I could do any writing because it was a bank. <laughs> that is really, really clever. Oh, it, wasn't, it wasn't me who worked it out. Well, so, somebody else worked it out. But I, I worked out that was a way to do blogging from the call center. <laughs> That's brilliant. So then would you copy it over into the, the blog? Yeah, I, I, I was writing a miserable blog about working in a call center. So um <laughs> That was the only the only way to do it. I did that through a few jobs. Yep, I gotcha. Day jobs exist for a reason. We need to make money, right, to support ourselves. So I had this blog going on for a while, and I was I wasn't really writing. I was making pictures. I made a picture. I, I translate. I did like literal translations for the countries of Europe into Chinese, like Xibanya, like West Class Tooth, and it's like Spain, and like Putaya uh, uh, is Portugal, is like a Grape Tooth. So, okay, where are you from? Grape Tooth. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. So I just uh, did all of the countries. And I don't know what happened. I just posted it on the How How Report, it was called. There's a, there's a website that you just posted your, your blog things you've done on there. And it got picked up by BuzzFeed. I, I still look on it. It's getting like 20 or 30 hits a day, like eight years later. It's getting thousand, many thousands of hits a day for, for a while. I don't know why it went so crazy viral. I'm not like very proud of it or anything. <laughs> I don't think it's any great achievement. It's just a silly thing. Well, you had fun making it. I had though, fun right? making it over the course of like an hour or two in the evening. Yeah, I just thought I'd put it on there, and it. Would okay, be... so why are you not proud? Uh, of it? I don't know. It just seems like I, I. There's lots of things I've put a lot of time and effort and um, like uh, myself into, and they, you kind of put it out there, and it nothing happens. No one does anything, and you kind of go, oh, okay, move on to the next thing, and then something silly that I think is not really of any value 
you kind of put up there and like suddenly it's it's crazy huge i had to defend it because they were kind of like oh it's it's racist against china I mean, it's chinese people and like, it's it's just a, a silly thing for me learning chinese it's, i didn't mean anything wrong i'm not trying to make fun of chinese people it's it's just fun when you've made something you don't know how people are going to use it you know especially something cross-cultural kind of don't know the intentions of the art of the audience how what they're going to read into it especially something that you spend very little time making especially with the thing i'm doing now i kind of i i worry about that because i you know i'm using different voices different speeches like when i get to the 30s i'm gonna have to be using like hitler's voice and stuff like that which doesn't mean i'm uh oh and the, the music is ridiculously racist in the early part of the 1900s like you can't believe how racist it is and it's how much of that you keep for historical reasons and how much of it you cut out because it's too distasteful because you don't want to rewrite history that was a moment in time that's very important and forgetting about it's almost as bad as supporting it yeah well okay quick question for you for the the music and the voices that you have in your podcast is this in like a common rights area where you don't have to get special permissions for it it's a difficult question and it's something I, i'm thinking about these days because i saw some things about definitely shouldn't be using copyrighted music on mixcloud they have an agreement that you list what's on there and they'll they'll deal with the rights so i like using mixcloud for that reason i haven't put the mix i haven't put the contemporary mixes as downloads usually because, because i'm yeah a bit concerned about that but i think ultimately like hopefully i can manage to get a deal or work for broadcast media in some way in the future that will be the perfect conclusion to it because they have kind of blanket agreements with this stuff as far as like making mixes for like before uh, the jazz era it's it's all so far out of copyright as far as most of the world's concerned it's basically open source at this point that's what I'd like to think about it. The The place I, I've got most recordings from is this University of California, Santa Barbara. They've got like this gigantic archive online, um, which is it's brilliant. And it's, it's all free to download. And most of the most of the music I featured, like 50 percent, let's say, maybe a bit more has been from there. It's kind of all, all out there anyway. It's not stuff you have to kind of pirate. Yeah, it's going to be difficult getting closer to now. That's true. And it's different from country to country, even from moving from China to Germany. I know I'm going to have to pay attention to the, um, what is it called? All the privacy laws in Europe that don't exist in China. I'm going to have to be a lot more careful on my pictures and videos and things that I put on social media, I think, because it's uh, a very different place. Have you heard of GDPR? It's such a thing that's kind of taken over England. Because in my, my job, I had to write our GDPR policy for the company and stuff. And it's... Um, as far as the end user goes, it's it's great for you. As far as like sharing things, it's you've got so many protections under it. It's it's kind of crazy strict about that. But as far as companies go, I don't know anyone who's making money from things and selling things and moving on things. It's it's very difficult to to make it work. And I think what's going to happen is they're going to make uh, examples for a few companies soon. I've seen it being breached all the time. It gets breached all the time because people don't really understand it. So they're going to start going all in on a few companies soon, I think. I mean, as a as a user of uh, social media, things like that, it's it feels a bit better that we've actually got, they, they can't be selling your data unless they've told you why they're going to sell it and how and who they're going to sell it to and what that person's going to, you've got to, you've got to give somebody the whole uh, story of data 
and you've got to tell them like uh yeah yeah you've got to you've got to make sure they understand it as well so you can't just have it hidden in some uh agreement it's got to be they've got to actually read that agreement and agree to it so and uh, there's the right to be forgotten as well uh, under the eu you can get google to delete any information about you on the internet which i think some has been used for some uh bad reasons already by some <laughs> by some people but you can see it's kind of it makes it makes sense to have it as a right not to have information about you out there such a mess i love the internet i was a huge library person before the internet so it's it's made life a lot easier on so many levels in regards to getting information contacting people globally that kind of thing but there's so many things i don't think we even knew could happen once we started making and using the internet and now we're kind of trying to clean up some of that it's complicated yeah, i don't know if it's a futile effort really yeah i think the internet's in a really weird place now it is uh, in a very weird place yeah like they know that china's behind a firewall but there's actually a number of countries that have their that have you know blocked off a a portion of the internet for themselves like free internet is not the norm globally i don't know if people know that yeah they they try to do some things in the uk to uh block uh, did you hear about the the porn block in england they don't work the porn blocks don't work the the idea was that they, they were doing it in partnership with the company that run um porn and all those it's like one company apparently and uh that that company were going to make a, a pass like a porn pass and if you want to access like porn websites you have to go to a shop <laughs> and buy cut if you want to access any mainstream thing you have to go and do that meanwhile anything that's not controlled by them aren't there bigger fish to fry right now well yeah they've, they 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 delayed it three times and now they've cancelled it completely because it was obviously a stupid idea that wasn't going to work so by the time that you left china the internet had closed up to a degree right from when you first came uh there? yeah quite a lot you had to have a vpn to do almost anything it seemed like like towards the end i think google was gone i was using bing bing was still accessible is that is that not accessible now i use a vpn for everything so i think bing is still used baidu is also used a lot i found baidu i mean it used to be okay but it's just unusable i found it's just the the websites it references are are nothing i want it's like the english language version is awful so I, I never really used it. Yeah, I think um, it was like yourself. I just I, I just turned to VPNs and just was using VPNs all the time by the end. What what I liked was I remember I was I was living in Guangzhou and uh, I had a WeChat group with uh, one friend from Beijing and another friend who was in Zhuhai. It's like a, a, another English guy, an American guy. And we used to just spend a lot of time like having conversations on that group. And uh, that was that, that was you know because it was it was not a good time for me guangzhou it was like a, a one of the worst parts of my life for the last couple of years there um the last year there especially and um uh yeah i had a horrible boss and um it, yeah it, it wasn't going well it was it it was it was really good to have that connection of that uh wechat group at that time that was like uh something that like you could look forward to uh, like talking on there so it wasn't it wasn't all bad there was there was there was good stuff in that last year for sure yeah no the wechat groups are definitely the best groups uh like uh, accessibility wise the best group platform i've ever been on in my life i'm definitely going to miss that i'm moving over to whatsapp because that's what they use in germany and it's so clunky it's so clunky in comparison yeah. and i guess you can't uh, order taxis on there 
No, you can, you can only message. And it, it almost looks like SMS messages. Like that's how ugly it is. And it's, and it's one function. It's just messaging. It's messaging to a person you or it's messaging in a photos. group. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you can send photos. It. You can do calls and video calls, but I mean, that's, it's just that. You can't order things. You can't get a taxi. You can't like buy tickets for things. You can't like, there's a million things you can't, I can't get groceries. <laughs> on whatsapp <laughs> the thing i really loved in china was like um we'd order some like you know i think people don't realize you want to buy some clothes and you, you find the clothes online and it's somebody's somebody's shop it's just somebody's house and they pass they, they call you say okay can you bring it over and it will be sent over you get it the same day and then you you, op- you open it up you have a look at it and if you like it then you can give cash or use your app to just transfer money to the delivery guy if you don't like it, you just give it back to them and it's sent back. It's the future. You can't, I can't believe that was so convenient, so amazingly convenient. Do you wish was accessible online that isn't? I think about it in terms of music because it's my, um, my, my like, passion in life is music. But I'd, I'd like to have something like Google and you go on Google and you search for like a song or an artist. And then Google gives you like some good blogs or some good podcasts or some good like things talking about that in depth isn't isn't that like what everyone would i mean that's just for songs for example but you could talk about i mean any topic maybe it would be a bit easier to do that but if i if i search for an artist or a song i'll find like streaming or i'll find uh lyrics websites like so many lyrics websites like ripping off the same thing i won't find any interesting writing about it and i feel like interesting interesting writing interesting podcasts things like that they're just so buried in the avalanche of stuff that seems to be designed by like an seo computer and there's not not a human there at all you know what i mean i do (laughs) i I want like a i want like a portal that that gives me stuff that i actually want that's that's my dream for the internet could you create that could you co-create that do you know anybody that can make that because now that you've said it i want that yeah yeah i don't know i i mean i I, I did a I did a computing at at a, at a high school sixth form called in England, but I I uh, I haven't done the coding since since I was twenty years ago, so I have no idea. I, I had to get a scraper to download everything, all MP3s from this free the website that had ripped them. So I, I hired a guy by Upwork to write a Python program to scrape stuff. I think that's yeah, it could be done. Maybe I can go and find him. <laughs> That would be that. that would be amazing. <laughs> See, I I stopped reading a lot of stuff online because, like you were talking about, the things that, like when I would go search for something, I would get a lot of those super mo- commercial ones or the very SEO written ones, and I'd go like I'd start at page six instead of page one. I'm like, come on, where's the real content? Where's the content that people wrote because they're passionate about it? And that that was kind of what got me off of reading online. Yeah, it's it's like. Uh you find out the story is spread out over 30 pages. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that so much. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why I think that's one of the reasons I like podcasts right now is that there's so many people doing it just straight from the heart and they're really passionate about it. And, and yeah, there's, there's people that are doing it just for the money, but it's so easy to find the ones that aren't, you know, that are doing it for the passion and for the interest and, and just with drenched with really good content Whereas I feel like the internet, There's the articles. There's still so much good stuff out there, yeah. Yeah, it's it's harder to find in blogs. What did I hear recently? Oh, there was a really good stat 
there's everybody keeps saying there's too many podcasts, right? But apparently there's one podcast for every was it every two thousand or every twenty thousand blogs. There's a ridiculous ratio where there's way more blogs than there are podcasts right now. <laughs> so okay, there's loads of kind of unread blogs that I don't know. I get I get linked to by blogs that I I really don't believe there's any human behind it. It really looks like it's just a some AI that's designed it that's maybe a, a long time back there was I don't think they AI can make podcasts in that same way they can so at least and not yet we're growing more and more in that in that direction and uh, I love technology but I don't like that part of it I, I do like human style on writing and on speaking and on communication when, when you search on YouTube for some topic and it's a, a newspaper article that's being read out by an automated voice and like a screenshot that looks like it could be. Yeah, there's there's a lot of those. I hope that's not going to be going into podcasts at all. Do, do you know, um, you must remember this. I don't know if you listen to that. That's a really good podcast about uh, a history of uh, Hollywood and uh, the hidden stories of Hollywood. She was she was on the slate for a while. And while she was on the slate, she had uh, actors, good actors coming in and reading out like uh, quotes from this book called uh, Hollywood Babylon. And um, then she stopped being on slate and she had like a computer voice instead. This part of my brain that's like when I hear those YouTube videos, it was just turned on like, no, I don't want to hear the computer voice. So I I was a bit sad when she did that. It's a I hope she's not going to continue. Um, yeah, bridge too far for me. There's a yeah. lot of things that computers and that AI can do for us that would really help us. And I don't feel like communication is one of them. No. Yeah, I think some, some things should be the realms of humans. That's for yes, sure. Hallelujah. But I think maybe I didn't I didn't listen to so many different podcasts from so many different places when I was in China. There is a really good one that's coming from Zhuhai. Have you, have you heard of China Jedi? China Jedi? No, yeah. no, I might check that yeah, out. Yeah, they, they started out as just interviewing many many different people in china that they came in contact with and then they went a little too much education oriented so i tuned out a little bit and i check every every now and then and now it seems like they're vacillating between the two but they had really good interviews and the if i remember right the gentleman that did it had been there quite a bit so they they knew a lot of people and they had you know perspective like a longer term perspective not just i just got here isn't this weird kind of thing which is very easy to do so yeah it's very interesting Seneca Seneca podcast so been a while since i listened to that but that was always good um what and um uh the china history podcast it's, i know he's not in china but it's china themed if you if you're into history podcasts so that's it i just started using podchaser to find more podcasts. As if I need more podcasts, I have too many, but I like I like discovering new ones. I was going to start putting all of the China podcasts I listened to into a list there, and somebody already made a list that is amazing and has the vast majority, if not more, of the China podcast that I listened to. And I was like, done, I don't need to make this. <laughs> Good.
kind of girl to take your tea out in the garden, spill your cup. Now I'm stuck cleaning up, begging your pardon. Your debris, clear to me. Now my heart is starting to harden. Every drink makes me think of the stink. You've made a mess of me. Thank you.